White Sox fans, and welcome into a Sunday Funday edition of Sox on Tap. It's Tony Marchese alongside my favorite co-host on the show, NWI Steve. Steve, happy Easter, happy Sunday Funday. Let's talk some White Sox baseball. How are you doing, my friend? Anthony, I would be doing a lot better for a couple of different reasons. I'd be doing better had the White Sox won a baseball game, and I would be doing a lot better if Pedro Grafol understood the importance of April 9th. April 9th is the anniversary of the release of Pantera's seminal album, Far Beyond Driven, which is the greatest album in their car- in their catalog. And what does he do? He sits fucking Pantera today. Rough scene out there. Rough scene. Um, I didn't know that you were this broken up about this before we started the show, but I'm glad Ironically, you're hearing it Ironically, I'm Broken is a great song on that album. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> we're just rolling with the punches here, Steve. Uh Steve, we need to talk about some some losing baseball. We need to talk about some things that ensued today on the baseball field. We'll talk a little bit about some White Sox news, a name that is no longer with the White Sox, and I think both of you and myself are, are sort of happy about that. Uh, but before we get into everything, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all of your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can read uh, Steve's fine writing over there at that, that website uh, that we do uh, cover all of the Chicago sports teams on. And if you're listening to this show, specifically the White Sox, uh, we've got a ton of content up on ontapsportsnet.com. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube, hop in the comments, um, and interact with us during the show. Um, and uh, we might feature a couple two-tree comments on here as we go along. Steve, I want to start with Friday. Uh, obviously, this is our first Sunday Fun Day show where uh, we are going to recap the weekend series. Uh, no show on Friday, no show on Saturday. So we're here. We've got a couple of ball games to talk about. Um, and the first one there is Lucas Giolito's start on Friday, which was just an offensive slugfest. And, you know, the offense looked hot, but uh, the defense and the pitching, not so much. Steve, any reactions from the 13 to 9 sort of blowout loss at the hands of the Pittsburgh Pirates? That was a winnable baseball game. You know, you scored nine runs, you should win, especially when you're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. At the end of the day, Lucas Giolito was bad. There's no way to sugarcoat this. Um, He was going out there, and he was just serving up meatballs left and right. And you can't do that. I don't care how bad of a team you're facing at the major league level. You throw pitches right down the cock, you're going to get hammered, especially – when you're going up against guys like Brian Reynolds, who is, for all intents and purposes, the hottest hitter in Major League Baseball right now to start the season through the first 10 games, and you're just going down there, just grooving pitches right there for him, bad things are going to happen to you. Um, that offense, they went out there, they had great at-bats, they kept the team in the ball game, made a, made a couple of comebacks in there to get the game tied at seven, and then this team just could not get out – the lower third of the Pittsburgh Pirates order on that day. And it's just completely inexcusable. Absolutely. A couple of offensive highlights I want to get to here, Steve. You had uh, Jake Berger uh, have a special moment uh, during that ball game. He left the yard first home run of the season. He was recently just called up as uh, Eloy Jimenez hit the IL. And uh, I believe his son was in attendance for Jake Berger's first home run. So that's an awesome, cool baseball moment. I think that's something that everybody likes to see. And Berger continues to swing sort of a hot bat here that we saw all spring from from Jake Berger, um, continues on into the regular season. Uh, 
your guy, Steve. I don't know if, if everybody's ready for this yet, but uh, we didn't get a chance to do this on Friday. I think we need to roll the R times two here, Steve. Uh, Luis Robert Jr. absolutely mashing baseballs on Friday. And for a guy that was starting off a little bit slow at the plate, I think uh, the questions have been answered. You know, I think that's fair to say. Uh, he's going up there being very aggressive in the strike zone when he's getting pitches right now. He's not missing. So that's definitely the type of thing that you like to see from Luis Junior. I like the addition of the junior in there, Steven. That was that was excellent work. First one of the season on oh, Socks on I, I, Tap. I got, I got a little mini one in there with Jonathan uh, last week. First one that I was here for. Okay. okay. So, you know, sure. first first Sunday fun day, our role of the season. Uh, I was really impressed with the White Sox offense on Friday, as I said before. Less impressed with the pitching and defense. And let's sort of break down where this all goes wrong. Steve, I was looking at Lucas Giolito's pitch count in about the third inning, just sitting there thinking to myself, how are we getting through this ball game? There is not going to be enough length um, from the White Sox pitching staff. I, I know we're shifting back and forth between offense and defense here, but really I, I'd like to say that one of the reasons that the Sox were unable to you know, finish the job here, so to speak, is because you had Lucas Giolito basically – on the ropes in the third inning by the third inning. And that created problems down the road and really exposed this white Sox bullpen, which has been somewhat of a problem to start this season. What do I say on this show? Just about every night. What is the one requirement that I need out of my starting pitchers when they take the baseball? Anthony, would you care to answer that question? What do I need for my starting pitcher? Uh, guys that pitch with conviction is What's one. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, that's good. That's, what's, what's another one though? What's uh, what's something quantifiable? working ahead in counts, working ahead in counts. I okay. think you like that. And I, I think you like them to work backwards. There's tons of things that you like from starting pitchers, Steven. If there's uh, one thing though, that I really like from my starting pitchers, I like them to go out there and cover 18 outs minimum, minimum. I was Twittering about this all weekend. The White Sox starting pitcher record 18 outs challenge. Up until today, it was fucking impossible. Same you that can't way. keep winning baseball games. You can't keep putting stress on your bullpen this early in the season by not providing length and not getting deeper into ball games here. We're not asking them to go out there and pitch eight or nine innings. Going out there and asking these guys to be efficient enough and attack the strike zone so that they can go out there and cover 18 outs and not be at 100 pitches through five innings. I don't feel like that should be too much to ask right now. But this has been a constant problem. We saw it with the exception of Dylan Cease, the entire first run through the rotation. And then this last week here, um, obviously the debacle against the Giants in, in, that, in that series – the situation Friday that we're discussing here with, with Lucas Giolito, and then Saturday again with Mike Clevenger. You can't continue to put this much strain on your bullpen this early in the season, especially when they are depleted right now without their anchor at the back of the bullpen, Liam Hendricks. 
This is going to lead to problems long-term if it continues. Yeah, and we already start to see the cracks in the foundation that uh, not covering 18 outs is going to get you. Um, I thought ball go far, team go far. This might be one of the first times I was was proven – wrong on that or, or maybe your case was proven wrong on that they hit enough home runs to win this baseball game I think you said it first and foremost here and it hits the nail on the head very winnable baseball game for the Chicago White Sox I hope we're not looking back at that one and there's already been a couple that have stacked up where you're, where you're sitting there going this one might really fucking hurt come sometime in September if we're looking up um Friday, definitely one of those cases. Move on to Saturday here. 11 to 5 victory. Mike Clevenger, I thought he did a pretty decent job on the mound for all intents and purposes. Um, roller coaster goes up, roller coaster goes down. Here's an upswing. 11 to 5 victory, Steve. Thoughts about Saturday? Uh, Clevenger was pretty inconsistent. Um, he. He had a couple of innings right there where he was able to get himself into a little bit of a groove and make quick work of the Pirates lineup. But again, getting himself in some jams um, when, you know, the Sox would go out there and the offense would give him a lead. He was going out there, giving it right back until they were able to, you know, put that final gut punch to the Pirates bullpen uh, later on in this game here. Um you know, he was able to get into the sixth inning there, which was a step in the right direction uh, from what we saw on Friday and obviously on uh, Thursday against the Giants there. So um, incremental progress, I, I would say. Um, he was good enough to put the team in position to win. Not great, though. Uh, command was still a little spotty at times. So I think that is just going to kind of be – what we're going to see from Clevenger this year, there's going to be ebbs and flows and ups and downs to this year with his command and control. And um, I don't know that we're really going to know from a start to start basis, what we will get from him. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it develops along the the course of the season. Clevenger finished the day with five and a thirds innings pitched eight hits, uh, four runs, all of those earned only gave up two walks, but only one strikeout. Steve, uh, I want some more strikeout numbers. Uh, it's never good when you're walking more than you're striking out, but I, I this just wasn't – I wouldn't call it an ultra-impressive start. He got the job done, but I think he was really sort of helped out by the White Sox offense here uh, in many different ways. Some interesting ways that this team scored, too, Steve, on Saturday. You've got the uh, Ben Benintendi scoring on the wild pitch. I thought that was an interesting play there. Um, he had a couple of sack flies in here um, from Elvis Andrews, who's still sort of slumping, but you like to see him make some productive outs. Um, and then, you know, that seventh inning was really where the Sox poured it on. Uh, Oscar Colas had the RBI single there. Anderson uh, drove in two on a single, and then Robert drove in two more on another. So the floodgates sort of opened in the seventh. I liked to see that. That's sort of that killer mentality, Steve, that we talk about on this show. The offensive performance on Friday sort of just led right into that, and and you like to see that carry over, especially because they lost on Friday. So I, I really liked this ball game overall. I think they showed a ton of fight. I think they they once again showed that this offense can put up <laughs> – 
11 runs, plus 10 runs. We love seeing that. We love crooked numbers. There was plenty of crooked numbers without in this baseball the, game. Without the advantage of hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, and they 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 had enough offense here to really carry them through. It was impressive to watch. It really was. Yeah, it was. It was just a very well-balanced attack. They went up there, had really sound offensive approach. I think they had six or seven walks total in that game, so just went up there, sound plate approach, and showed some plate discipline and got the job done, and that's the type of effort that you want to see here. Yep, bullpen was not really a problem either, which – we're not used to seeing, but, uh, you know, overall just a good win. Good win. The victory beers tasted great last night. Uh, I don't know if you got to enjoy one or two of those, uh, Steve, but I sure did. It, it was, a, it was a good win. It, it was a palate cleanser, so to speak up until we got to today's ball games. Any f- final thought, uh, from Saturday's victory, Steve? No, you know, Saturday, like, like you said, that was just, um, a nice way to kind of flush, out the bad taste from the games on Thursday and Friday. And, you know, an interesting little tidbit that I don't know if you caught leading into the game yesterday. Um, the Pirates had won four in a row going into the game yesterday afternoon, and they had been the only team since the start of the 2020 season to not have a five-game winning streak in all of Major League Baseball, and they still don't because the Sox were able to get the job done on Saturday. Love hearing that. Love hearing that, especially um... – after seeing some things on Twitter today for, from some Pirates fans over a specific play that we're going to get to, uh, going back to that, Steve, I, I think it's great that we sort of played spoiler to the Pirates five-game win streak. One note that I had out of uh, yesterday's ball game was uh, the fact that the Sox were, I think, at one point 10 for 10 and then went to 11 for 11, and I believe they're 12 for 12 now in stolen bases. I thought that was a pretty cool and tough stat. The, the fact that this team is is running on people uh, really lends itself to sort of the new style of baseball that we were talking about uh, with the new rules um, and seeing it play into their favor, Steve, I think could be a net positive or should be a net positive for this White Sox team throughout the season. How much that's going to influence the uh, you know left-hand column and right-hand column remains to be seen, but it's definitely a positive development that I am sort of tracking now as I think a lot of people are. Well, this is actually something that goes back to the 2021 season. And um, I wrote about this, you know, two years ago, just about the efficiency and just how sound of a base running team they were overall. I think for the season that year, they were maybe 81 or 83% efficiency in terms of stolen bases. So kind of getting back to that a little bit, and you look at some of the guys that they have in this lineup that are good base stealers. Tim Anderson, obviously, at the top of the order there, hashtag set the tone. And then Luis Robert Jr., when he uh, get, gets on base, is certainly a threat. Andrew Benintendi as well. Uh, well, not the fastest guy per se. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be overly fast to be a good base stealer if you have really good technique. Um, then, you know, you look at some of the other guys that comprise this order. Yohan Mankata is a guy that we know does have speed. Again, it's just a matter of exercising proper technique out there. Um, so they've got some guys that can do that and can take advantage of teams uh, in terms of getting that extra 90 feet. I think that is something that is going to be of paramount importance here, not only for the Sox, but across Major League Baseball this year. So um, really like seeing this team go out there and take advantage of that and incorporate it into their offensive arsenal. 
Yeah, Oscar Colas is another name I'm going to throw in there, Steve. You've seen him be pretty active on the base paths in the early going. I believe he got one in Saturday's ball game as well. Uh, like seeing that. I like seeing that from uh, the third outfielder that this team has. And when all three outfielders are a stolen base threat, that's that's good. That's that's good good news for your your offense there. So really liked that. Uh, that's sort of my final notes in, in terms of, of Saturday, and we'll we'll roll along to today's ball game. Uh, Michael Kopech looked pretty good. Um, the Sox end up dropping this one by a final of one to nothing. Uh, the offense, where was it, Steve? Did it just disappear today? Did they take the day off? This is just kind of baseball. Um, you see this more often than people realize or, or want to acknowledge. You have a couple of games where you are lighting up the scoreboard and putting up a lot of crooked numbers, and then all of a sudden you have that one day where just things don't click. You have a pitcher that you're going up against that's able to execute some good pitches. And they had a couple of opportunities here to get on the scoreboard. Uh, I want to say is maybe the fourth or fifth inning. They had a, a spot with runners on second and third and one out in Sebi Zavala up. And um, Sebi just got aced on a nasty 3-2 slider. Sometimes that's going to happen. The guy's going to make and execute a quality pitch. That's baseball. Um, unfortunately, they just didn't put themselves in enough positions here today to be dangerous offensively. Um, unfortunately, that just that happens sometimes. That's just baseball. Yep. What are you going to do about it? Hopefully they come back tomorrow uh, with the bat swing the way they were uh, earlier on in this weekend. But uh, you, another winnable ball game is what I want to say here, Steve. Uh, just like Fridays, I think this is another very winnable ball game. Uh, Kopech gives you some length here, goes six innings, only gives up two hits, one run uh, that was on a sack fly uh, in the second inning, and that was your ball game right there. Uh, walks three and, and does strike out five as his final line. He gave way to uh, Jimmy Lambert and, uh, as Johnny says, Jack Dickman. Um, and that was that was it for the White Sox pitching staff here today. But Steve, I know you said that this is you know something that happens traditionally. You opened the show with Pedro Grafol not respecting you know the the release of one of your favorite albums. Would this have been a different ball game? Do you think if Luis Robert was in the lineup today? Given the way that he's swinging the bat right now, you can't help but think that putting him in that number two spot would have had a significant impact. Um, he's just very dangerous in the batter's box right now. So anytime you take out the guy that is your most productive bat in terms of doing damage, in terms of getting on base, that's going to have a significant impact. Um, so that definitely. You saw the Astros do this in the opening series with Jordan Alvarez. Yep. It's sort of what I likened it to, and it didn't really work out in their favor. It sort of, in my opinion, bit the socks in the ass today. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's I think that's definitely very fair there. You know, the the commentary about you know he's played every game to this point. Okay, so he's played nine games. Um, he's twenty five years old. He's in. I mean, as Jonathan likes to say, he's he's a fucking Under Armour mannequin. You know. Um, to think that he needs a day off after nine games is a little crazy to me, if we're being totally honest with you. But I think that's 
unfortunately, just kind of a sign of the times of where we're at with the game of baseball in 2023. If we're tracking early trends, Steve, are we going to have to watch the Sunday lineups? It seems as though that could be a thing here. Um, I would feel much more comfortable doing that sort of thing if you're a team that's in first place, maybe 10, 15 games above 500. But for a team that really needs to get off to a hot start, as I have written about and commented on multiple times here, it's a little bothersome to me to kind of see that. It's not how you hashtag set the tone. I can tell you that. So it it does grind my gears a little bit to not see the sense of urgency when you have an opportunity to go out and win a series against a team that you are better than you haven't been able to win a series yet this year, you had a terrible home opening series that carried over into the game on Friday. So you had an opportunity to build a little bit of momentum here, knowing that you are getting on a plane, going to face your big division rival who is in first place and off to a pretty nice start themselves. You really would have liked to have had this one today. I know I sure would have. I I absolutely would have. And uh, I, again, they, they said it was a rest day. I don't I don't I don't like seeing Luis Robert Jr. sitting on the bench on a, a very winnable baseball game like this. Um, especially when you look at it, if if you had won the first two, Steve, I think that there's yeah, you can hand the guys some rest. It seems like they're still doing this training plan. It's maybe not as as vocal uh, through you know this part of the season yet but just watch these trends and we'll see if it, it sort of shakes out like it did last year where we're giving guys rest and i just want them to earn it like earn the rest win two ball games and then earn the rest not that luis robert wasn't doing anything um especially in saturday's ball game we just talked about you know well uh, on friday's ball game leaving the yard twice um you know swinging a very hot bat i want that bat in the lineup dh him DH him today. It's April. It, yeah, it, it, it's, it's April. He's 25 years old. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I just trying to come up with the excuses in my mind for why this is happening. And I can't like, I, I just, I can't. And, and that's why I'm so nervous about them doing the same thing they did last year with the, the foot on the brake instead of the gas when it's supposed to be on the gas. Yeah, particularly when you look at where they are at in the schedule. They've got a little bit of a soft pocket here to start the year, as I wrote about a few weeks ago. And they're not taking advantage of this. Getting off to a 4-6 and six start is not ideal. It's not what you want to see in this particular spot. Um, when you have these winnable games and you give them away, that's kind of the type of thing that can snowball a little bit, unfortunately. And you just have to hope that they can stem the tide here now starting tomorrow afternoon we can hope we can hope there was one play steve in this in this baseball game that i think that uh a lot of people and uh i'm, I'm sure you saw this and, and have your own thoughts on it but uh it's, it's sort of making a stir even amongst the uh the national ranks of everybody uh this can comes in the uh the sixth inning uh sabi zavala and O'Neill Cruz getting into a little collision at the plate. Ground ball goes to third base. Ball's thrown home. Might I say this was a late slide? Because I feel like it you know, was. There's, there's some people out there who don't think that this was a late slide. It was a blatantly late slide, uh, which then turns into a benches clearing. I don't want to say brawl, but it was a, a bench clearing 
that took place. Some words were exchanged. Uh, former uh, AL Central, uh, I don't know, longtime staple. Uh, Carlos Santana's in the middle of this. Steve, you know, there's probably some interesting dynamics going on with that relationship in particular as he was on deck uh, at the time here. Um, unfortunately on the play, O'Neill Cruz suffered, I believe, a fractured foot. Um, Sabi Zavala comes up okay, but I, this is a scary collision at the plate. A very scary collision at the plate. Words are exchanged. You got guys out there. Michael Kopech looked like he wanted to rip somebody's head off um, during this entire exchange. Uh, I, I just need your thoughts on this because if you venture out to that website, or app, depending on how you consume Twitter.com. Uh, there's some interesting takes coming from primarily the Pittsburgh area that said that this is Sebi Zavala's fault that all this happened. I, I need to hear from you because I, I don't believe it. There might be some planets where it's Sebi Zavala's fault. This just isn't one of them. What was he supposed to do? The guy slid late. And I don't know if you you watched the replay. Sebi kind of rolled his ankle because of how he came down on O'Neill Cruz trying to make the tag because he slid in so late. What exactly is he supposed to do in that spot? Okay, you know, and so, yeah, he makes the tag and he gets up to him and says, what the fuck was that, bitch? Because in the heat of the moment, when somebody takes you out and you might have your ankle rolled and might have your season derailed, he was a little hot. How was he supposed to know that Cruz fractures his ankle on that play? That's almost akin to one of the things that that you see in hockey a little bit sometimes where when a high stick comes in, the determination of whether it's going to be a two minute penalty or a five, a five minute major, just depending on if blood is drawn. It's almost like the, does the outcome of the play determine whether the actions were justified or not? No, that's not the case. The slide, it was a bad slide. I'm not going to sit here and say it was a dirty slide. I don't think that there was intent on the part of O'Neill Cruz there. He just slid late. That's all there is to it. And again, what is Sebi supposed to do in that spot? According and, to some people, he's supposed to get completely out of the way as he sort of catches the ball and lands. So he's supposed to catch the ball in, in midair, turn his body, and, and, and then just, just see, concede the plate? I'm just glad the umpires, for for all we saw with the umpiring crew this past week, I'm glad they got this call right because in, in a different universe, Steve, we could be talking about totally different things here and, and it costing a run, um, and who knows how this spirals out from there. Obviously, the Sox end up losing this game regardless, but I, I, you're right. Where does he go? Where does, where does Sebi Zavala go with that? One other thing I have to say is, thank God it wasn't Yasmani Grandal behind the plate here, because if his leg goes out like that, the last thing we need is Yasmani Grandal on the shelf with another knee injury. We already know that he's got the bad knees. I, I thank God it was Sebi Zavala in that stance, and and he's okay, completely okay. Um, I just don't know if if that was Yasmani Grandal if we'd be talking about the same thing here. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point right there. But um, except my my larger point here is it was just a late slide. And if, if you want to be mad at Sebi Zavala for asking O'Neill Cruz, what the fuck was that when he didn't know that the guy fractured his ankle, I will guarantee anybody listening here, anybody, 
Any Pittsburgh Pirate fans, all 14 of you that are out there, if the roles were reversed and a guy on your team, your your catcher, goes out there and is in that spot, has somebody slide in late, and he says, what the fuck was that? You would literally be saying he had nowhere to go on that play. There's no way for him to know that the ankle was fractured in that moment. You're hot because you could have had your season derailed. That's it. If you want to get pissy about that, then I don't know what to tell you. They seem sort of pissy about this over in the uh, the Pittsburgh area, Steve. I, I don't I don't really understand it. I'm sure they're upset because their guy is is the one that wound up injured on the play. But I mean, I've I, I get upset when Eloy Jimenez tries to run to first base and injures himself. I don't get mad at the base. Um, you know, I've seen, uh, Luis Robert slide and, and injure himself again. I don't get mad at the base or the other team. I, I don't know. It, this one just, it, it sort of is interesting to me. I I've seen some very interesting language chosen to, to express the anger and angst towards Sebi's Zavala and the White Sox, you know, telling people that, you know, they've never watched baseball before and Sebi's supposed to get I, doesn't matter if that is not the White Sox. I'm sitting here probably saying the exact same thing that I'm saying right now. This was a late slide. There was nowhere for him to go. I think we're both in agreement here. But, you know, if you had to get up on, on the soapbox, Steve, and, and plead the case that this is not Sebi Zavala's fault, and I gave you 30 seconds to do it, to try and convince a Pittsburgh Pirates fan who's really, really upset and heated about this right now, what are you going with? I'll, I'll turn to you. He had nowhere to go. He's not going to turn his body in midair and concede home plate, allowing Cruz to score. That's not how this shit works, okay? The guy slid late. He still gave him a lane. He could have slid head first. He could have done a hook slide around Sebi Zavala and not had that outcome there. He slid late, period, paragraph. Done. Love it. Uh, Steve, we'll, we'll move on from that. We've got a couple of other White Sox news and notes to get to here before we uh, get on out of here and close up the show. But overall, this this weekend was not great, Bob, at all. I'm, I'm a little upset with the White Sox. You wrote an article over at ontapsportsnet.com the other day likening this current season to a prior season uh, that uh, – We've we've seen stretches of baseball like this before. I'll let you expand on that in a minute. But uh, for all those uh, of you out there listening, uh, head on over to ontapsportsnet.com, head to our White Sox section, and go check out uh, Steve's uh, column on this very scenario that we've seen here. But, Steve, I, I don't know where to go with this, especially these last two series, the, the Giants, the Pirates, very winnable baseball games, a plenty through this entire uh, six-game stretch that we've had here. I'm left with a very bad taste in my mouth, a very 2022 White Sox taste in my mouth. There's going to be people out there that say it's only April. There's going to be the argument that bad stretches happen, as as I think that you've brought up. Uh, There's the recency bias of what happened in 2022. And then there's just plain not getting the job done and, and I'm sort of in that last camp of they are not getting the job done right now. I think the team has the talent to win these baseball games. You saw it against Houston. 
we're, we're playing down to opponents again. I don't feel that they're quote ready to be there and, and kick your ass every time, you know, the first pitch is delivered. I'm pretty upset with what I've witnessed so far in the last week of white Sox baseball. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, it's very frustrating. I mean, they're four and six right now through 10 games. They easily should be six and four at least um, at, at this point. And it's just comes down to not doing and executing the little things that you need to do in order to be a division winning baseball club right now. That's a continuation. Like you said, of a lot of the play that we saw during the 2022 season, even going back to the second half of 2021. So this has been an ongoing problem for a little bit with this group here. So it is just a 10 game stretch to start the season. And as I wrote about Saturday morning, look, these things happen over the course of 162 games. Um, I know I woke up Saturday morning, and as I was having my coffee, I'm seeing a lot of the commentary about how this is going to be the worst bullpen in the history of baseball, and this team stinks. Um, you know, you got to designate for assignment Lucas Giolito because he's awful, and, and you know the season is over. And it really just got me to thinking going back and, and looking at some White Sox division championship winning teams, because surely every team during the course of a season has a stretch where you go three and seven, two and eight. That stuff happens. I'm old enough to remember a team in 2005 that won 99 games that lost eight games in a row during the month of August. You better be careful because some people might, you know, misconstrue this as Steve has gone positive on the, the 2023 Chicago White Sox. It, and I know just, you've also penned other things on this website that said that they're they're not going to be that great this year. So you better be careful. You better be careful with this. At, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is it's a 10-game sample size. That's it. You can't make any other basis for this. And because, you know, and, and when I wrote the article, it was an eight-game sample size. So they were three and five, and they had given up 61 runs in eight games. In 2008... During the month of July, they had two similar stretches in the same month. But because they were more than 10 games above high 100 and in first place at both times, I can tell you this, nobody blinked an eye about it. Nobody was freaking out about it, saying that this team was going to falter, saying that it was going to be the worst team in, in White Sox history, that the bullpen was going to be all out of whack. And all of that happened, and a lot of the reasoning behind those two stretches in July of 08 was because they were without Bobby Jenks. He got hurt on June 30th of that year, and everybody in that bullpen got slotted up. What are we dealing with right now? The anchor of this bullpen, Liam Hendricks, still out. Not available for this team right now. So you're seeing guys in the bullpen, not in their normal spots. That stuff matters. And again, because we're only talking about 10 games now at this point, everybody wants to sound the alarm bells. If this was July or if this was August and they're in first place, 10 games above 500, it's annoying as hell. Yes, we'd be hashtag mad online as we're talking about these kinds of things. But at the end of the day, people will just say, okay, you know what? Just take a deep breath here. They're still in first place. They still got this thing. They just need to clean it up. That's it. When Steve's panicking, everybody else can start panicking. It doesn't sound like and, Steve's and that's, panicking right that's now. The scary, that's the scary thing about this is if I have to be the voice of reason right now, what does that say for the rest of yous out there? And as I talked about in the column, 
I'm not saying that this team is going to win the division this year. I put pen to paper and I said they were only going to win 78 games and finish in third place. I wrote it. My name is on it. Okay. But again, I'm not sitting here panicking after 10 games. That's absurd. Can you just give me a, it's an only, it's only April, you know, to like coin that off there. It is only April, there Anthony. We there we go. We're not uh, even a third of the way through the month yet. It's, it's only April. Steve, news and notes. Um, two things to get to real quick uh, before we hop on out of here. One, Eloy Jimenez is, is on the IL. Uh, I believe we've briefly uh, talked about this on the show, but as we sort of recap the week here in, in White Sox baseball, uh, is that trend starting to like really get old or was it old last year? And now it's He's, just, he, you can't call him injury prone. You can't. So I've been told. Did you, did you read the quotes that he had? Uh, I believe Daryl Vance Gowan had, had a quote that he got from Eloy yeah. after the injury. Did you read that one? Yeah, I just rolled my eyes. He, do, he does not like talking about this. Well, and neither no, do we. If you don't like talking about it, then here's a suggestion for you. Get your body right. Take care of your body so that it doesn't happen. You're 26 years old. I got news for you. I feel like my hamstrings at 39 are in better shape than yours. That's a problem. Because I don't have access to the best training staff. Now, if we can debate that all, all we want here, but I don't have access to a professional sports team's training staff, equipment, hydration, and and, and you know strength and conditioning plan. But you do at 26, and you can't keep your hamstrings in line. Come on, it's recurring. It's a recurring problem. Uh, Jake Berger's mashing baseballs in Eloy's absence, and I, I think our guy Sean loves to see that. I know I love to see that. Other White Sox news, Steve. Jose Ruiz is no longer, and I don't know if it calls for a celebration. You don't like seeing a guy lose his job, but, I mean, he's got a job still. He's with the Arizona Diamondbacks now. He was traded for cash considerations. That's your boy now, Brian LaFever. Yep. Our guy Brian, video editor here at Sox on Tap and on Tap Sportsnet. He's a big Diamondbacks guy. We've sent him Dallas Keuchel before. Now we're giving him Jose Ruiz to play with. Look at it. Look at it. We're so nice to our guy Brian uh, here at, at Sox on Tap. But I'm I'm just yeah. There he is. He's he's in the comments here, muted. Um, how are you feeling about Jose Ruiz no longer being part of the Chicago White Sox? I'm I'm giggling about it. I'm happy. You know, I don't have the giggles about it. Um, honestly, I I always wanted Jose Ruiz to do well. I forgot you, know, you were a big Jose Ruiz. Guy. I, I was. You know, I, I remember watching him in Double A Birmingham in July of 2018, and I remember seeing OG that guy. Project Birmingham guy. Yeah, and I remember thinking this guy has the stuff to be a viable piece in a major league bullpen. And it just simply didn't pan out. Um, he's not the first guy to have that happen. It's entirely possible he could go to Arizona. They could make some tweak. Uh, they have Brent Strom, who was a big part of the uh, cheat, I mean, pitch lab with the Astros previously. So you never know what could happen there. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I, 
I had always wanted Jose Ruiz to do well. It just didn't pan out, unfortunately. There were a couple of stretches in Jose Ruiz's White Sox tenure where I thought, okay, maybe there's something here. But seemingly continuously all the time went back to just stretches of baseball that made me want to drink even more. I don't know what it was about Jose Ruiz. There was just a lack of confidence every single time this guy came out of the bullpen. Not a lack of confidence by Jose Ruiz, but a lack of confidence that I had that he was going to get the job done. And for better or for worse, there were times where Jose Ruiz proved me wrong, and I think you've seen some of those flashes. There was a really impressive stretch, I believe, back in 21 where he was just lights out. He's got the velocity. He's 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 lacked some of the command, and, and I think just you know watching what happened with him in the World Baseball Classic this year, and then coming into the MLB season, I wonder if it's a lack of uh, high intensity roles. Maybe he pitches better underneath you know more intense situations than he was given. On the other end of that, Steve, I don't know if he ever really earned the high leverage roles in the White Sox bullpen to even get himself into that situation. I, I don't know, but I'm just sort of happy he's gone and we can move on to other things. Uh, the guy that they called up, uh, Schultens, uh, came into the ball game, I believe it was Friday, and, and did his job multi-inning relief, which we, we lack in the bullpen right now. I felt like Jose Ruiz was also just sort of a redundant piece, um, if I'm being quite honest. He was a redundant piece. He was a guy that can only really give you one, maybe two max. Um, and he was pretty much slated for mop-up duty. And I think our guy Sox Insane said it best um, on Thursday. If Jose Ruiz can't excel in low leverage, then what is his point here? Um, I'm, I'm glad he's going to have an opportunity to go pitch for Brian's favorite team. I just don't think that he had really a place in this bullpen to begin with this season. I think there were other options that they could have went with and got this done a whole lot sooner. I thought it was encouraging that they they moved quickly on it, but uh, I was not as much of a fan of Jose Ruiz as, as you seem to be. Yeah, I, I think those are all very fair points. I mean, he did have that stretch, like you mentioned, in 2021, where uh, Tony La Russa actually was giving him the opportunity to pitch in higher leverage roles because he had actually earned it uh, for a stretch there. And, you know, when he was given that opportunity, he faltered, unfortunately, and then he just kind of reverted back to a guy that was not able to offer the consistency that this team needed out of the bullpen. The stuff, you know, if you just look at the raw stuff, a guy 96, 97, um, pretty hard biting slider, but just the the command. And I don't know if it's an issue just with the pitch tunneling, maybe. Maybe there's a change to pitch mix that is needed. I, I've kind of seen that floated around a little bit on uh, Twitter.com here. So um, hopefully, you know, he's able to, figure it out for him and uh who knows maybe we'll see him again in late september when the d-backs come back to 35th and shields maybe we will and he'll probably you know mop up a one two three inning against us in a very high leverage situation for the diamondbacks and uh we'll be sitting here on this show on these very airwaves talking about what just happened but until then i'm glad he's gone I think that that's wonderful. Steve, that brings me to sort of our final segment here. Jose Ruiz was on the hot seat, and now he's gone. Who's next? Got anybody on the White Sox hot seat? 
may potentially be a DFA or no longer with this ball club by the time, you know, we talk next Sunday or maybe even the Sunday after that. Who's your eye on? Who's not getting the job done? Oh, man. Um, Elvis Andrus is not off to a particularly good start here. Meanwhile, if you look down in Charlotte, Lenin Sosa is nuking balls. and He's, that, he's hot. That was uh, one of the points of contention in spring training here was um, it wasn't necessary for Elvis Andrus to be signed in, instead of allowing Lenin to take the second base position. Um, I know you and I both advocated for Elvis being brought back, understanding that there was a level of risk involved with it, um, given the relatively small sample size with the offensive explosion we saw at the end of 2022. There was always a risk that that was just an aberration and he was going to revert back to the guy that he had been for the previous three years. It's kind of looking that way through 10 games right now. Again, it's a small 10 game sample size. So you never know. They did only sign him for $3 million. So at this point it is a sunk cost. So that is something to keep an eye on here. Um, that's probably the guy that I, I would say. Um, but my question to you, Anthony here is, you know, obviously with uh, a reliever going away, that uh, was not one that you were very fond of. Um, we're not going to talk about your uh, your original baby boy coming back. You know, Steve, I was going to save that for the finale finale uh, of the show, but we might as well discuss this now. I thought that that was sort of a, another Elvis Andrews-esque move for the Chicago White Sox. One thing different, though. He's here on a minor league deal, much like Billy Hamilton, which allows him to start and, and be in Charlotte and be called up if necessary. Um, I, I love the fact that it was a minor league deal. I love that he's got familiarity with the Chicago White Sox organization. Steve, I, I, I'm happy that he's back, but I'm not at this point clamoring for him to make his way to 35th and Shields. I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I don't know if that's going to be Schultons that goes back down. I don't know if that's a, a predecessor of potentially another guy who I might have on my hot seat, which is Jake Diekman. Um, the the lefty-righty thing is, is sort of screwy there, and you're still waiting for Garrett Crochet to come back, so it's interesting. But I will say this. Reynaldo Lopez has sort of been the de facto go-to guy in the back end of this bullpen right now. I think – you know, if you bring in Alex Colomay and it doesn't work out after two, three ball games and he really is just ass, he's another guy that you can sort of just cut ties with. But he's he's got the but, he's but got then the Ken, but then Ken W.O. will just find some excuse to justify it. Well, I'm not talking about Ken here. I'm talking about the, what the White Sox should actually do or not do. Um I I I love that signing. I think it's it's sort of low risk, high reward, sort of the same way that Elvis Andrews was. If I want to throw it back to Elvis Andrews for a second here, I think by mid-May, they'll make up their mind on this. One thing that I think is sort of the hot sticking point is how long can you carry Elvis Andrews on this roster? Because he is Tim Anderson's backup at shortstop. And what the hell happens if Tim Anderson goes down? So I think he sort of serves a, a larger purpose defensively. Right now, he's he looks lost at the plate and obviously – had the sack fly. He got his two thousand or what is it, two thousandth hit um just the other day. So he's gotten over some milestones, but what is he hitting right now? Buck ninety, if not less. So 
there's better offensive options. Hell, I'd rather have Romy Gonzalez in the lineup over Elvis Andrews every day. Lenin Sosa is obviously pushing the envelope, but for all intents and purposes, dude, isn't that what we asked for is guys pushing the envelope to come up here and earn that job and, and force Rick Hahn into making hard decisions. I, I like seeing that. So I like that they did that still. I would still put him on the hot seat though. Yeah. I think those are all very fair points right there. Um, we had talked about this for weeks kind of leading up to the season once he was brought back and even back when he was just sitting out there in the free agent market still um, forcing competition. I wish it was a minor league deal. Yeah. I mean, for, I mean, forcing competition for young players is not a bad thing. And, you know, Lenin Sosa appears to be kind of inspired to start the year. Now look, Charlotte is a bad box down there in the international league. So you do have to kind of take the numbers with a little bit of a grain of salt, but to your earlier point right there about, um, Andrews, you know, and his function being somewhat predicated as well about the fact that he is the backup shortstop. You know, Sosa is a guy that is playing shortstop at times down in Charlotte as well. And he has been a shortstop throughout a significant portion of his minor league career here. So there is um, there is a fit there. We'll see what happens. I mean, I've I've seen some names out there thrown out there that he will be your starting second baseman by the end of May, if not sooner. I don't know if they're going to be that quick to cut ties with Elvis Andrews, but I wouldn't be surprised. We saw them move on Dallas Keuchel at a very down downward trend time uh, of Dallas Keuchel's season uh, not too long ago. You saw just now Jose Ruiz basically get three innings of of work and. That was enough to say you're gone. You saw Larry Garcia. Uh, they cut ties with him. Uh, it seems to be a no sort of BS tone that yeah, the hopefully it's, have with this. Hopefully it's symbolic of a sense of urgency within this organization about the fact that we can't afford to really have dead weight going right now. This, this blows my mind, though. The, the fact that they've got this sense of urgency to cut ties with players but then Luis Robert is sitting on Sunday. Like you, you can't make that up. Why is there a sense of urgency to do some things, but other things there's no sense of urgency to do. And like on April 9th or and on April 9th of all days. It's, it's mind boggling for so it. many reasons. I don't get it. Mind boggling. Steve, that's, pretty much all I have on the, uh, the little rundown sheet I've got, uh, any final thoughts as we wrap up Sunday fun day here? My final thoughts are this. They have touched down in Canada South. It starts tomorrow. You get ready. You'd be ready to go to war. You're playing those assholes. They're starting the year pretty well. They've uh, put up some pretty good pitching numbers to this point. Um, obviously, it helps when... Is tomorrow the biggest game of the season? It is hands down the biggest game of the season. And boy, let me tell you, nothing quite like having a 1 o'clock start time on Monday, April 10th for a, a game that isn't a team's home opener. Boy, tremendous scheduling there. Twins, you fucking shitbags. Um, Dylan Cease on the mound, go out there and shove. Kick these assholes right in the teeth from first pitch. Um, this Sox pitching staff up until today 
has been having some issues with the long ball. We know that the Twins are a team that likes to elevate. Byron Buxton went on the field, gives the Sox a lot of problems. Joey Gallo's gotten off to a decent start for this team. Carlos Correa, we all know what he can do. Go out there, attack early, attack often, get on the scoreboard. Timmy, hashtag set the tone, let's go. Get up there and win a series and beat these motherfuckers. I know you get up for these games, Steve. I know that you love when the White Sox beat the team from Canada South. I know you're super excited about this. What is it? A 12-10 start? There was one 10 well, start. One 10 start. Yeah, it, it, with Dylan Cease on them. This is excellent scheduling from, from the MLB. And, and I'm just I'm super excited to uh, sit back, relax, and strap it down for this ball game. Got a pick to click for me? I do have a pick to click. Tomorrow, we're going to get the first meeting of the AV Club in 2023. I feel it in my loins. I love it. Andrew Vaughn, he's been he's been finding a couple two-tree gaps out there. Uh, but uh, he needs to find the launch codes, like you like to say. I, you, you stole my pick to click. Uh, so I'll I'll move it elsewhere. I'll go with uh, I'll go with Mr. Yoan Moncada as long as he's in the lineup. Should be, unless it's his rest day. Uh, he just had a rest day, didn't he? He just had a rest day. Yeah, that was. Um... Yeah, no there there was there was there was a Yoan Moncada yeah. rest day in there. I, I I think it might have been Thursday. Yeah, yeah, because Thursday. Uh, Al- uh, yeah, Alberto. So and, let me um, do some quick math here. Yeah, he should he should be good. You should be good. You get about like six, seven days, and then we need a rest day. Uh, no no days off here for, for a while. Oh, wait. There's an off day Thursday. So, you know, there's that. So I'll I'll go with Johan Moncada tomorrow. That's my pick to click. Uh, Steve, series prediction, and, and let's wrap it up. Prediction? Prediction? They're going to find a way to get two out of three. I don't know how they're going to do it right now. There's a lot of question marks around this team, but you got your top three in the rotation going. Dylan Cease, show why you're the man. Go out there, take the ball, and shove it up their ass tomorrow. Hashtag set the tone. Turn it over to the big bastard on Tuesday. I'll be watching that game from a hotel in San Jose, California. So let's go out there and let's get a goddamn series. Steve, that's uber positive of you. I've got them winning one, dropping two in this series to the Minnesota Twins. Uh, not a lot of confidence right now in this this White Sox starting rotation to get the job done. I think they're going to win tomorrow. Uh, I think the next two games might give them some fits. But I hope you're right and I'm wrong. If uh, if I'm right, though, uh, I, I'm not going to celebrate that because losing to the Twins really fucking pisses me off. It's uh, all I've got, Steve. It's all I've got for today. Thank you to listeners tuned in on the live stream. Uh, make sure you're checking out ontapsportsnet.com. Subscribe to the YouTube on Tap Sportsnet. Uh, hop in the comments and uh, interact with us throughout these shows. This will be available in podcast form as soon as we wrap up here as well. And uh, thank you to everybody who tunes in via the podcast medium. Uh, Steve, it's always a pleasure talking White Sox baseball with you. Uh, hopefully, it's a it's a better week ahead, and we can end this 
10 day stretch of, of weird, bad white Sox baseball and move on to bigger and better things and, and more fun things to talk about than losing to the pirates and the San Francisco giants. I think that'll be great for both your health and, and my health and Johnny's health and everybody else's health on the show, as well as all of the listeners, Steve, that's all we've got. Close it down how we always do. White Sox forever. White Sox for life. <laughs>